Here we are with episode number 40 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast. That big new number. We've covered the trails, we've covered the last man standing format, and you know, we've covered the road ultras. But here we are now with the six days in the dome. This is the place where Zach Bitter smashed that 100 mile world record in 2019. This is also a huge USA 24 hour qualifier team race. So for the dome, you've got multiple events that take place such as the full six days of running. And that was actually won by Victoria Brown, which also, by the way, she's won the broken track 12 hour in 2021. And she also raced at the sweat, swat and swear. So, hey, that's pretty cool. You've also got the 72-hour race, and you've got the 48-hour race, which was won overall by fellow Floridian Lisa Devona, taking home an incredible 203.08 miles. That, that's absolutely amazing in 72 hours. Then we've got the 48-hour, and in that race, we've got two of the three guests today, Alicia Slick and Martha Meyer. These ladies rocked it. Alicia took home a total of 105 miles, with Marsha crushing it, going the 100-mile distance. This is incredible, incredible to do on an indoor track, and honestly, that just baffles my mind. Then you've got the 24-hour event. You know, like in previous years, that's the race that, uh, you know, Zach Bitter won. And then you've got the 12-hour event as well. This is where our other guest, Michael Ryan, took it on while also multitasking into crewing for the wonderful Lisa. And what he did with running and, and crewing, man, that, that is a full plate of work. So, hey, this is a cool race. You know, it's something that I've always been fascinated by. So let's just jump right into it and kick it off. Yo, Mike here. Yeah. How are you? Good, good. I just finished up dinner and ready for this. There you go. Hey. Hey, it's Martha. But yeah, how are you guys feeling after the uh, the dome? I feel great. I was out walking 10 a.m. the same day I finished. It's wild. Yeah, so I... I, well, I, yeah, was, I uh, yeah, I know you were... You ran a bit, and then you were mentally working a lot. Originally, I was going there to crew for Lisa Devona and help out her and her husband, Scott. And then uh, last minute, I think maybe a few days before, I'm like, you know, what the fuck? I'm going to sign up for the 12-hour. And <laughs> that way, at least I can get some get some uh, running in just to get out there. And then I think I ended up only doing six hours. It was just a little little difficult to try to help Scott. You know, that was uh, the second day. So, you know, we were both trying to get some rest. So I just went for about six hours just to get some miles on my legs. I mean, it's an iconic race. So yeah, yeah, I did it in 2019. I did the 24 hour. Okay. This is my, this is my second year too. Last year I did the 24 hour. Wow. All right. Yeah. I know in the 24 hour you had legends like you had Ryan Cotton out there and Zach Bitter was out there. Mm-hmm. but I think they only went 114 and 100 miles. So, which actually a little tidbit that, so I, I was peering through the results and I thought it was wild that maybe not so wild. Cause I think women tend to excel in this kind of a, of sport. I think for the sixth day, a woman won yep. yeah. 72 was a male. I think a woman, I think a woman won every one. I think uh, the, the sixth day, 48, 24, and maybe even 12, maybe not 12, but the other three, they, 
all females won. Dominated. Yeah, females dominated in there. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, wow, man, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So I guess we could kick it off with, you know, I guess a little bit about yourself and your running history, because I'm sure it's a lot different than running in an indoor track. Yeah, yeah. So this is Martha. Um, so I'm probably the older and wisest one of this group you have on today. So I started um, running in high school back in the late 70s and we didn't have any of this we had to go to the um men's department to even get shoes that kind of thing so it was all distance running you know i was like the token well we need somebody to run the two mile run and that was it and then maybe a little bit of cross country but there was nothing really for us back then so i got um into running in high school and then i i was in the military um and they would always trot you know kind of trot me out as you know the token female runner you know we need efficient <laughs> that kind of thing can you go represent um our battalion or our company or whatever so i would go out and i was always the one i'm the easiest fish to hook when it comes to adventure so somebody said well you know, you're going to be stationed at Fort Bragg. You have how to jump out of airplanes, send you to airborne school. So I jumped out of some perfectly good airplanes and spent some time at Fort Bragg, you know, with the best of the best. So we did a lot of endurance training then. People say, have you ever had a coach? And I'm like, well, yeah, in the military, they're all, everybody's a coach. So I got it. I kind of slid into um, running and, and endurance in the military. Then, then not to, not to bore anybody, but I ran some after. And then finally, when my kids, I have two kids, when they were teenagers, I'm sitting around the t- dinner table going, I don't, you guys don't need me anymore. You know, what, what am I doing? Let me put my shoes on and just get going and slid into ultra because <laughs> I am always lost and always. <laughs> So, you know, it would be a, you know, a half marathon, a full marathon. And my watch would say, well, you're already at a 50K. So why not just train for this stuff? So that's kind of how I got into running. I don't know if Alicia and... I thought only the lieutenants get lost. Oh, no, we all got lost. (laughs) We all got lost. Oh, and I went to a war too. That that was, um, you know eye-opening so um yeah i yeah running has been at the center of my life so um i can talk a little bit about this race but um go ahead michael and alicia i don't want to steal your thunder alicia you can go ahead i'll go last sure that sounds great so i ran a little bit in in high school i was in cross country and then i ran a little bit in college i was always more of a back of the packer and then uh, my sister laurel who was on you know one of your previous podcasts she wrote a book Um, in 2018, she turned 40. And I completely wasn't running. And she was like, Oh, I know it's on your bucket list to run a marathon. So I was like, sure, I'll go run a marathon. And I I did finish. It wasn't my prettiest marathon because I wasn't really consistently training. Um, And so then in 2019, I decided to actually run with a regular cadence. In 2020, I did my first 50k. And then last year, I did 200 milers and i also wow. had the opportunity to pace martha for her first 200 milers yeah, so. yeah. 
Yeah, so that's- we did we did Wildcat together over Labor Day last year, and then um, Long Haul this year. Yep. The yep. dome. The dome was um, another hundred for us both. Finally, we buckled together. Yeah. So we finally buckled together because um, during the pandemic in 2020, Martha and I trained together extensively for that first hundred miler. And that's my running story. Awesome. I used to hate running. I (laughs) hated running. And I would, I would run, you know, a mile or two miles a day. I probably didn't start running until I was in my thirties. Didn't do any running in high school, college, um, would run, you know, one to two, three miles for, for exercise. And then my wife got me a Fitbit one year, I think for my birthday. So I kind of just kept pushing myself. I would set my goals for myself. All right, you know, before I leave the gym or before I can stop my run, I need 5,000 steps. You know, then it was 10,000. Then I got up to like 30,000. So I was, then I got up to doing about, you know, 12 to 15 miles a day. I just really, I just really enjoyed it. I loved being out running. I didn't worry about pace from one day to another. It was just, it was really peaceful for me. And one of my cousins who's in the military, um, found out about my running and he said, Hey, I can get you in the Marine Corps marathon. And seeing my dad was in the Marine Corps marathon, uh, Marine Corps, and he's a Vietnam vet. I thought, you know, what a great way to, to honor him. So I said, yeah, sure. I'll, even though I really didn't want to, cause I wasn't comfortable with running with people. And I'm, I never even did a 5k before that. So I decided, I said, okay, I'll, let's do it. And that was in 2016, finished that race and absolutely loved it. I was finished. I think I did it in three, three forty, and I was like, "I want more. I want. I want to go further. I want to go longer." So I was kept reading about this Keys One Hundred race that went from you know Key Largo to Key West, and I thought, "Man, a hundred miles—that's crazy." So one night I was sitting around drinking beers, hopped on my computer, and thought it would be a great idea to sign up for it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I woke up in the morning and I was like, "What did I? I why didn't I sign up for the fifty? Why am I jumping to the hundred? I said, "Well, if you're you're tough enough to sign up for it, you're tough enough to do it." So did that in two thousand and eighteen, and I loved it, and I've done it the past four years in a row. Wow, that's awesome. And you got bad water coming up, right? Yep, I have bad water in uh, two weeks. Not even wow. two weeks. Wow, jeez. We're going to watch it. Awesome. I- Cheering me on. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. So I just did a few races this year to um, kind of get some more. You know, I love running in the heat. So, you know, I I tend to usually do hot races. I did Salton Sea uh, in April. Then I did Keys 100 in May. Uh, just did uh, the 50-50 with Andy. Um so I, th- I, th- I think I'm ready for it. So, so Michael, Michael, I like running in the heat too, and this indoor track. Oh, it kills me. Dome. It was rough. Oh, uh, <laughs> it was rough going into it, but I tell you, um, that uh, cool temperature was it 52 degrees or something? I, I think it was more like 32. It was, was it? But I don't know. Um, it was 55. The inside lanes were colder, obviously, toward the the ice rink, but um, it it was very rough. Well, I remember 2019, because even my dad came up there, and uh, he lives in Milwaukee, and he came up, and he helped out, and he was watching, and he was like, man, this is a lot colder than when you did this in 19. It felt really cold in there. You mean I had a knit hat on? I had long sleeves, leggings, hooded sweatshirt at the start when I was running. You know... 
loving the you know training florida runners we train in the heat and the sun and all that if you you know so you learn that you know you're at least for me you have to you're sweating and all of that and when you stop or take a break inside this rink it's it's like oh my god i yeah. need a blanket i need my hat i need my gloves i need all that stuff and i need it now um <laughs> Because, you know, your muscles freeze up and, you know, you get cramps, at least for me. So I had, if if I took a break, I had to exit the building ASAP. Yeah, definitely. I definitely do not prefer running in weather under 60, 65 degrees. I like it. I personally like it for a summer running. Yeah, I'm a pretty tough girl, too, so... This this was the the element of cold was really rough. Um, it took logistics to even get a rank if you're to going to take a break. Yep. Yeah, it's a hard it's a hard race to crew for that reason because you're sitting around. Yeah, because I was going to break you know talk about the conditions inside the dome oh. here in a bit, but but I kind of want to know you know what brought you out to the six days in the dome because I know we have a you know a local Florida legend Mike Melton on the timing. Yeah, so I moved to Wisconsin a little over a year ago, and knowing about it being an iconic race, I'm like, well, if it's in my backyard, I might as well get a chance to experience it. Um, and so that's how I got got involved, but definitely miss those Florida summers. So I, I came up because Alicia mentioned to me that there was, hey, I did this crazy race. It's inside. It's on a track. Why don't, why don't you come up and we'll do it. And like I said, you know, I'm one of those people that just kind of jumps at, you know, an adventure. And I knew this race was going to be out of my wheelhouse. So, um, yeah, when she said, come up and let's do this, I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, little did I know it was going to be, you know, a super mental challenge here. Very, very mentally tough for that, for, for cold. I grew up in Milwaukee, so it was kind of like a hometown race when I did it in 19. And then I crew for uh, Lisa helping out Scott quite a bit. So when I found out that they were going up there, I decided to to fly on up and I could, you know, see my parents spend Father's Day with my dad on, on Sunday after the race finished. Um, so that's, that's why I got out there. Yeah. Growing up and growing up in Milwaukee, you'd think I'd like the cold weather. You'd think I could run in the cold weather. But when I lived there, I ran on a treadmill from, I would say November to May. It was just too cold for me to run outside. So I'd run inside on a treadmill at the gym, with hoodies on, knit hats, even inside the gym was too cold for me. So, so Michael, I grew up in Detroit, and we we grew up in a very um, blue collar neighborhood. There were no gyms and treadmills, so if you ran, you ran outside and iced up. So, um, I really enjoy running in the heat and the sun. This being in the dome, it was a great race, but the conditions were really relentless. Yeah, it gave me. you flashbacks, I bet. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me after the race, I think you have some traumatic uh, stress there, Martha. Exactly. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, Mike, that's cool. My uh, my mom actually grew up in uh, Wisconsin. She went over to, uh, she went to St. Pyatt there in Milwaukee. And then, oh, okay, sure, yeah. So, yeah. You know, that kind of area. Well, that's hmm. kind of by where the, it's not too far from where the Pettit Center was, the, the actual race. Cool. So, I guess, unlike the road or trail, how do you prepare for, you know, a race on an indoor track? That, I think, for me, for me personally, I think that's all mental. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm a straight, I, I do very little, I shouldn't say very little, but little trail running. I prefer concrete and road races. Um, 
And when I did in 2019, when I did the 24 hour, I mean, I, even though I was used to road, I, I felt like that track really beat me up. So, I mean, I don't really know how you'd really prepare for that unless you like cold weather and you run on a track. Yeah. I didn't attempt to simulate any conditions for the race. I just kind of went out. Um, so for me, I, I knew it would be a mental game and I work in a very stressful environment and there's really no windows, no real breaks, no, I'm a nurse. Um, and I live to be outside and I crave my running time alone, some mostly. So this, I knew this was going to be a mental indoor thing, nothing really to look at and the same people over and over again, which was great. And also, you know, a real double-edged sword because there's no distracting. All the distractions came mentally. Um, so I prepared, you know, for basically podcast and mental games. Yeah, I agree. I'm the exact same way. Yeah. And I think when you run a normal hundred miler, you know, you can look forward to that sunrise and it bring you exactly. new energy in the morning. And, you know, there's none of that because the lights are on 24 seven, the music's on 24 seven. So there's just complete monotony the entire duration. As a nurse, I work in the, I have um, history of working in the ICU. We call it ICU psychosis. People literally go crazy because the lights are constantly on and there's distractions um, that are not planned for and, and um, you lose track of time. It is a real thing. For me personally, when I was at the race, I developed some strategies, you know, because it's kind of like once you're at a race, how are you going to negotiate the things you don't you don't really know until you're there. So what I did is I said to myself every two hours, if I'm moving along fairly well, I'm going to go outside and take a fit at least a 15 minute break. So that's what I that's what I did. Or or I made myself go 10 laps and then outside for a break. Yeah, I was going to ask about because you know, as you guys have mentioned, it's such a mental game, I guess kind of what goes through your mind or what's kind of the mindset because I don't know if I could focus or stop thinking about either all the laps the time or the distance I've yet to complete. I usually just keep calling myself an idiot, and what did I get myself into? <laughs> no, I, Michael, you're right. I talked a lot to myself. One more, one more, you know? Yep, yep. You just, yeah, it, it really just boils down to the mental strength, and, you know, it's 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 tough because of the weather, and, you know, like you were saying, how it's it's constantly light. You know, there isn't, you don't really have any landmarks to know that, okay, you know, and like you said, the sunrise or... You know, when you're doing the Keys 100, you can say, okay, you know, I'm just going to get to the seven-mile bridge, maybe take a 30-minute, you know, break or 15-minute break, eat something, and then, you know, you can go, you can kind of break it up, but it's definitely yes. more difficult to break it up in that style of a race. So, I, I agree with you going outside for that little bit. You have something to look forward to, and you have a goal to achieve, yeah. to get to. Yeah. I will say one thing about the races, you change directions every six hours. Okay. You also get three meals a day. So, I always kind of, like, look forward to that either next turnaround point or that next meal, because that also did give you something, you know, a point to strive for, even if it wasn't like a landmark. And Mike, Mike and Bill, they do a great job with that. Oh, right? yep. like, you know, when you're turning around, they're out there dancing, they're playing music, you know, anything you need, food, any other special things you do. It's definitely a great race to go to. And those guys put a do, you know, give it a hundred percent. They're a really good job. 
It was very, very well supported. I think at one point at the 40 mile mark, they had a hula hoop. And I just I needed to like mentally take a break. And I think I I um well, I did. I know I did. I grabbed the hula hoop and did some hula hooping. And I think I danced <laughs> at one point with Mike just because it was enough. Um, you know, it, it's almost like you bro- at least for me, I broke it up into like two. 250 milers, if you will. Um, I, I think there's video of the hula hooping. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good way to stretch things out, too. Um, the other thing it, that was really good with this race is that because you, uh, you know, double-edged sword, you're seeing the same people over and over again. But we got to run, at least Alicia and I got to run with some, like, pretty amazing athletes like Lisa Devona. So, you know, and, and some of the other people that you see over and over again, and you're like just in awe of these amazing people that you are literally running side by side with, you know, you don't get that at a road race. Uh, You know, your um, elites are your very uh, strong, I call them hotsy totsy runners are way (laughs) ever, you never see them. So it was really good, really nice um, a learning experience. I watched the crew, Michael. I learned a lot from you guys. I mean, so many lessons and what you had on your table and how you managed your app. So I appreciate. Yeah, we. Yeah, we, I really, I really enjoy um, crewing with Scott for Lisa. Um, you know, he really knows what she needs. You know, every so often, they, they, they got it down pretty good. So I've crewed for her. I think that was my third forty-eight hour I've done with her, and then uh, a few other. Um, hundred mile races. So yeah, we got it down pretty good, but she's, she's an incredible runner. She's, she's just, just so consistent. I I was really awed by watching her and some of the other, um, um, uh, you know, I say elites, I don't know what that means really, but you know, the runners that are just, uh, you know, really giving their all to the sport and, and, you know, it was really nice, too, because um, we're constantly moving forward. So I know I met quite a number of people that just are out there having, you know, moving and doing the running their own race. Um, just amazing stories of people that, um, you know, other races would not necessarily be for them. Or ultras would be out of their reach um, because they need more of a environment um yeah it was really an all-inclusive kind of a race so there was a social element too there i know with you know i made some connections with some people i hope to run with again yeah speaking of social connections like um you know we were served meals and they were actual like sit down meals so it was kind of nice like you know you would have been running for the last several hours then you sit down with your you know track mates and have a meal with them and i i really enjoyed that social element yeah it was like being around a training you know yeah that's the neat element that's the that is the one nice thing about that it's a little over a quarter mile loop i think it's like 0.28 miles and um you know if, if you need something you know you're only basically a quarter of a mile away so yeah i guess take me into the dome you know what's that setup kind of like out there or in there so the center of the dome is an ice rink Um, which was pretty amazing because, you know, during the race, there were different kids and adults practicing or playing games. So, 
you know, that was occurring during the day. Um, and then you have the 443 meter track. It's a three lane track. So it's quite narrow. Um, and then along the outside of the track are crew tables and it's two runners per table that you can set up, um, you know, all your supplies. So, you know, as Michael mentioned, you have your things every quarter of a mile. Um, and then outside the dome are restrooms with flush toilets, what every runner's dream. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice bathrooms there. <laughs> Toilet paper, baby. Yeah. That's right. And, oh, <laughs> and, and there were two portalettes right on the track, if, you know, for the real elites that, you know, didn't want to leave the track. So that was nice. Um, and then in the upstairs, there's actually a sleeping room. Um, and then in the basement, you know, locker rooms and showers that we had access to as well. So really all encompassing. And wow. then, um, you know, of course, because it's a fixed location, um, you can get DoorDash or whatever delivered all throughout the event too, which was really nice. Do you guys DoorDash? Heck yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, pizza two nights. We had a DoorDash. Oh, nice. But it's a great, it's a great venue. It's a, like, they were just saying, you know, there's there's everything there, you know, fully great bathrooms, showers, you know, vending machine, walk outside if you want to. So it's a really it's a it's a it's a good establishment for a race. It, it, it was a very safe location, too. At one point, I took my blanket um, outside and literally took a nap out on the grass in the sun just because I needed a break. I needed sunlight. Um, and I felt <laughs> I, I did not feel um you know, that it was anytime threatening there. Um, one thing about the track is you can never go backwards. You always have to go forward around the track because of the way the timing mat is. And you wear an ankle bracelet, an ankle, well, the timing bracelet and a, and a lap ticker. So if you inadvertently cross over without completing a full lap, it, it can um, distort your um, miles that you've currently gone. So if you've started a loop and you forgot something at your table right behind, because we were right by the timing mat, if we forgot something at our table right behind the timing mat, you had to go a quarter of a mile to get back to it. So it, it was kind of a logistical thing. And that gets real, and that gets real um, important when you've taken off for your lap and you've forgotten your jacket or your hat or your mittens because you've got to go a quarter of a mile before you can get back to that yeah. in the fold. Yeah, that's a, I guess that's an important detail. So I, it's nice that you have the whole facility. You yes. can't get lost, which is nice. You have access right. to great bathrooms. <laughs> so then I guess along with the mental battle, did you guys kind of have like a plan coming into this? Because I guess from a a pace perspective or a, a crew perspective is definitely a lot different than being outdoors where you have to wait to the next aid station. You know, you're in the same spot over and over again. I So I had mileage goals for each day, um, but not real strong pace goals because, you know, I just, you know, mine was more focused on miles. And I will say too, like, I think part of the mental trick is not stopping each time you see your stuff. Like, Make sure you run enough before you access your stuff again so you don't get too sidetracked. Right. And that's that's actually a difficult part with crewing at an event like this. Because normally at a point-to-point -point race, you're probably stopping anywhere from two, three, four, five miles apart. So you have time. And usually 
when you're doing those stops, they always need something. When you're crewing this and you're senior runner every quarter mile, as a crew, you're you're, you're really anxious because you want to make sure they need something, but you don't want to be over pushy like here's more water, here's more water, here eat this food because it's only been a quarter of a mile. So you got to kind of plan when when we we would know about what time we should start, you know, feeding her, or giving her more water, or she would say, "Hey, next lap, I'll take water." So the crewing is definitely a, a lot different than a, like a point to point. Yeah. So I have a running coach, so I had some specific things that I needed to do at the race. I I had speed work I had to do, so I did that on the first and the second day. Um, and I'm actually training. This was like a B race for me, even though you want to say a hundred mile race is not your goal race. It, it isn't. But I, like I said before, I tried to get to at least 50 miles each day and then just keep moving, keep moving. You know, that's the thing. Forward motion. Do the loops ever get monotonous? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it's the same over and over again. I started focusing on the track, like the track itself. And um, I actually have a good imagination. So I, I started to zone out and pretend that I was in another place, literally. Somewhere warm. Yes. <laughs> warm. Um, and I actually, you know, when I get to a bad place, I call on some, I call them my iconic runners that I pretend they're running with me. You know, it's that, that um, imagery that can help get you through some tough times. So I, I don't want to say I was hallucinating Des Linden, but she was definitely there with me at one, a couple of points, you know, running beside me, telling me to move forward your winner no i think that's actually a great point because i know for myself um back in 2018 you know i was really trained trying to get to the top of my game and mm-hmm. i kept imagining you know i'm like all right you know i'm running this race all right yes. there's there's joseph gray there's joe there's, gray yes. all right let's go let's go let's go you know i think that that's a big thing for a lot of runners yeah when i need to dig deep i imagine my brother's there with me with his dog oh. i'm holding his dog's leash um, and he's just pulling me along. And then, you know, we, we catch up and, and that, that really helps push me through. Yeah, and I think a lot of the encouragement from the other crews and all the other runners there really is helpful as well. Um, yeah. You know, starting to starting to feel a little rough or you're getting that mental drain and, you know, you hear other crews, Hey, you're looking great. Keep it up. You're looking really good. You know, it mentally helps you. Yeah. So Michael had this whole cheering section for a while. Oh yeah. <laughs> which, which I'd love to know who they were, but every time he ran past them, sometimes he was near me and they would, you know, cheer really loudly for him. So I just pretended like they were there for me and it really boosted my spirits. <laughs> yeah. They were, that was my mom and all her friends and my cousin. And yeah, they were, they were, they're, uh, they're, uh, they like having fun. So they were cheering everybody on. And I mean, I could hear them across the whole other track screaming and yelling. And it was great. <laughs> it was yeah, great. I probably had a half a dozen people come up to me and was like, is that your crew? Keep them here. Keep them here. Tell them we're going to be here all night. Have them come back. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I know you guys are talking about how it's, it was cold in there. And I know from running in, you know, in the indoor track when I was in high school, how does breathing work? Because I know at, after a race for me when I was in high school, man, my throat would just be killing me. Yeah, I got a little congested from the cold. Um, I only fully slept once and I slept on like a mat inside the track and I woke up from that really congested. I realized if I nap again, I need to be in a chair upright because 
um, that cold really messes with you. Um, I had, I had, in addition to what Alicia said about congestion, my eyes were really dry from the side. Um, And if I run this again next time, I'm going to bring sunglasses. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Lisa ran with sunglasses on the whole time. Yep. I saw that. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I definitely think it was a great idea. Yep. So I guess coming into the distance, I'll start at mile one. You just completed your first four or five, five-ish laps. How did that first mile feel? And what, kind of what's going through your mind? What the hell did I sign up for? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, so I, when the timing went off, I really wasn't completely ready. And that's, you know, I felt, well, okay, that's fine. I have 48 hours to do a hundred miles. So I kind of got my stuff figured out and I took, I was in denial about this race, even when it started. I took a lap and then I literally went outside and took a picture of myself in front of the marquee and said, I've got one lap down, you know, I, there's a lot more to go. <laughs> okay, so I saw that post like, oh, hell yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> I, for me, like the first 12 hours of a race, like I just want to get through it because I'm like, I know I'm going to get there. And so it's just like, for me, it's like getting through the first 12 hours and I feel like, okay, now I'm warmed up. I can get going. Yeah. I remember when I did it in, in 19, you know, kind of going back to, uh, just trying to give yourselves mental goals. Like whether it's like, all I have to do is get to the lane, you know, and we switch directions and then you kind of just break it up. Otherwise, it can be really daunting thinking, you know, I have 24 hours or 48 more hours to go after you finish your first lap. But I will say, like, we were being pretty silly, you know, Martha and I and some others on the track, you know, once once we hit one hour, we were like, oh, yeah, only 47 to go. So, that you know, we joked about it, too. And I will say after, you know, we finished on Sunday. And like I said, I was feeling so good after Monday, I actually went back and volunteered and served lunch and washed dishes for them. Um, and so then that was really special to be on, on that side of the race. So hour 12, I guess that's a big point that you guys have mentioned. And I know Mike, you, you ran the 12 hour before you started crewing, you know, how did hour 12 feel for you guys? Well, I only ended up doing, I think six of the 12 hours just because logistically it was getting me, my, my main goal was to go there to help Lisa. So I didn't want to interfere with my ability to crew. Um, and that was starting at, you know, that was into the second day. And, you know, both me and Scott are tired and we're trying to give each other breaks. So I stopped at about six hours in just to focus more on crewing for Lisa. Yeah, I think you got like 22 miles in. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I'd run a little bit, then I'd stop and then I'd get cold and I'd go, I don't want to go back out there. I guess when you think about 22 miles, you're like, hey, that's not very far. Yeah, but you're in a track going around. That's a, that's pretty far. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's some good work. I, I understand, Michael, about how you said about, you don't want to go back in. There were, there was many times where I said, oh my God, I don't want, don't make me go back. And I've been to a war. I'm a tough lady. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, yeah. And, and it's a lot easier mentally to stop running, knowing that, you know, that's not why I was there. I was there to crew. So it was like, well, I'm really, Right. I don't have to really keep going if I don't want to. So it was easier for me to say, you know what, I'm just going to hang it up. I'm going to get back to crewing and make sure Lisa hits her goals. Yeah, Alicia and Martha, how did you guys feel at hour 12? 
Yeah, I felt, you know, my first day, um, um, I felt fine. My miles were a little slower, not quite as fast as I wanted, didn't quite as get as many miles as I wanted. Um, and then the second day, my one of my friends came semi-unexpectedly, brought me coffee, kind of took care of me. He was running the 24-hour as well, um, you know, got me smoothies during the race and all that. And so that really kind of brought new energy to me. And the second day, I really started to pick up the pace. And I just, I actually felt high from running. I got a true runner's high, which I've never experienced before. And I kind of felt no aches and pains. And I felt like I could push my pace as fast as I wanted to because I felt like I had no limits. You were, you were crushing those laps at the end. Yeah. You were <laughs> running like seven or eight minute pace. I was like, yeah. holy shit. It's like, my, it's like hour 47 and she's freaking sprinting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was incredible. Like I, yeah. like I had, I felt like I truly had no limit. I was, I was running faster than I normally do for like a three or four mile training run. You were <laughs> killing it. I was looking at you. I was like, holy shit! Look at her flying. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was pretty incredible. It was pretty. It was cool to watch. It was fun. Yeah, I, I felt like I could just keep going and you looked yeah. like it you looked and you looked determined and tense your form you look great you look like you were fresh just woken up and yeah yeah that's awesome that's how i felt so um yeah it was a really special race for me because of that so so for me at um i at 12 hours i i really wanted to hit um a hundred k before i stopped for the day I didn't, I, I went to about two, two AM and, um, it was, that was enough. And I had bargained with myself that I, I felt pretty good, but mentally I was mush, like really, really kind of out there. Um, as far as physically, you know, it's always hard to do those kind of miles. Um, it's not a joke, even at any pace or distance or whatever. Um, I, I just wanted to just take a break and get out. Um, and I, I kind of bargained with myself that if I made it to at least 50 miles, a little over 50 miles that I was going to take a shower and, and kind of rejoin humanity. Uh, so I took a break. I took a break at, at 12 at, well, it was more like 2am. So that's what 16 hours. Yeah, Martha mostly slept in my car that or like when she slept, she kind of slept in my car. But I was planning to sleep inside anyway. So that all wor that worked out well. Yeah, I, I really I had to remove myself from the situation. You know, I it made this race made me really appreciate trail running and being I I, I thought this was a, a race that, you know, very well executed. And it has its own challenges. And, you know, I would encourage people to do this. You know, it's a timed race. So somebody who says, you know, I can't do a marathon or a 50K or whatever, you can certainly do that in a timed race like this because really there's ample cutoff. It's only you against the clock. So I had a question, but I totally forgot it. You know, maybe I should write notes. But so you mentioned 2 a.m. and the clock. Does time get to distorted when you're out there because i feel like i wouldn't be able to know what actually what time it was with the lights being on i feel like i would just know hey there's the clock so there's the timing clock which shows how many you know how much time has elapsed since the start of the 48 hour race 
Um, and then there's clocks in the room as well. So you know what time of day it is um, or time of night. And so that really helped ground me because there's certain things I like to do every hour, like make sure I eat every hour, things like that. Um, so I think those clocks really helped me kind of keep track of my calories and things like that. I, I, I lost track. I, especially it's in the early hours, like the, the, the hard hours, the second evening, 2am when I just wanted to get finished. Um, there are windows, so they're, but they're high up. So I really looked, looked at the windows. You miss that sunrise, you know, when you're out on a, on a multi-day race, you've got the sunset, the sunrise, um, changes in the temperature, the moon comes out, that sort of thing. Uh, so it just, um, cues about the natural environment around you. So it is incredibly easy to lose track of time. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, especially with those windows, because you don't, I mean, you don't really know what time it was. And I think it was that second day to Sunday morning, you know, I totally would lose track of time. And then I would look up and I'm like, is it light out? What yeah. time is it? <laughs> yeah. In in Wisconsin, too, it seemed like the sunset was later and the sunrise came a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely rises earlier. Yeah. It was, it was definitely light at like five in the morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Now I remember while I was trying to ask, it was about that, the mental game and always seeing your crew. Did you guys ever feel like quitting? Because like, I feel like I can imagine that in this type of race, especially when you don't have to wait for the, you know, the next aid station miles away, you could just quit anytime. It's super easy in this kind of environment. Yeah. So Martha and I were, you know, uncrewed, we had our table of our own stuff. Okay. But, um, so I kind of knew we were stuck there because I physically couldn't drive because of my mental state after being up so long. So I was like, <laughs> I'm stuck there anyway. I might as well run. Yeah, I, I, um, I wasn't going to leave without 100 miles under my belt. At one point, I called my coach on the first day after I did my speed work. And I called him and I said, I'm, I'm, this is, this is crazy. Can I be done with at least speed work for now? And he said, yeah. At one point, at one point I went outside and took a nap. I got bit by a spider on the grass. Um, it, it was a very, very big mental game. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to quit a lot. But, you know, that's where you dig deep. And you figure out really what you want as a runner. Um, I wasn't going to let this indoor race beat me, and it didn't. So, yeah, I agree. It's definitely a mental game. You got to, and I think you know, ultra runners just in general are mentally tough, and you know, really want to finish what they started. So you just got to dig deep and keep going, keep moving. Yeah, and Martha knew I wouldn't let her get cheese curds unless she hit 100 miles, so. <laughs> That's a good goal. Yeah, That's a great yeah. goal. I, I wasn't going to leave without a buckle. You know, you're not going to get to 80 miles and say, I'm done. I wanted uh, right. 100 miles. Yeah, Martha, that's, what What were you thinking? Like, what What was that drive, that motivation? So, I'm, I'm not a quitter, um, and I... It's it's constantly moving forward, 
um, you know, you, the, you just keep saying, this is not where I'm going to leave this race. I am not going to leave this race at 80 miles and get out of here. It's an opportunity. I came this far. I've done put in this much work. Just move it, um, you know, and and go to a different place, you know, mentally go to a different place and just do the work. Um, you know, it, it's it, it call upon all your skills as a runner. Uh, and, um, you know, I and, and then again, technology, I'm not a big, um, you know, podcast person. I, I really don't like technology. But I used it this time. I, I had headphones on and um, listened to some um, podcasts and things. I think I listened to your podcast once, Joseph. So um, shout out to that. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a mental, huge, huge, 100% mental game. Because if your mental game's not there, your physical won't be there either. And I will say, though, uh, you know, when you're running a traditional ultra, it's going to be another two to five miles or maybe longer till you get to your next crew or aid station. But in this instance, it's like, can I do one more lap? Do I got another quarter mile in me? And I think, you know, most of the time you can at least convince yourself you got another quarter mile in yourself and do that enough times and soon enough you're going to buckle. Definitely agree. Yeah. So I guess before, you know, I jump into the last couple of miles and I guess, Michael, for what you were doing at that point. So whether... You really don't have the weather factor. You don't have elevation. Did you guys, for once, did you guys have any blisters or chafing? How did your feet and, you know, how'd your body feel? So, um, so I tried a new technique, you know, ex which is exactly what you're supposed to do before a big race. Um, so the week leading up to the race, I put on lotion on my feet every single night to soften them up. And then on the race itself, I changed and looped my feet every 12 hours or so. And I ended up with no blisters. And like I said, in terms of my body, I was in great condition. Um, and like I said, it was one of my best races ever. Did not feel like I had just run 100 miles. So, so for me, um, I have issues um, when I start and stop. Um, I knew that going into this race strategy. Um, you know, I physically getting out of there, it was, I, I just needed a day of recovery. Um, it, I didn't, I didn't really have any blisters or any, anything like that. Yeah. For me, when I did mine and obviously this year, I didn't, didn't run much. So this year, my legs felt great. Um, but in 2019, when I did it, I'm a, I'm a real, real, obviously I love the, the, you know, running in the heat. I'm a very big sweater. Yeah. Uh, so my feet traditionally in my point to point races get trashed. I mean, mm -hmm. just, just trash. So in 19, when I did it, you know, you're really not sweating as much. Um, if, if anything at all, cause it's so cold, at least for myself. So, you know, I never had to change socks, never had to change shoes, didn't really sweat. So my feet were in pretty good shape. Yeah. And you know, logistically, because the aid is like right there, any, issues that came up hot spots or um you know chafing or anything you could take care of right away so in that respect um physically the the race i don't want to say it was um you know it had its advantages because 100 miles is difficult but 
you know, as far as blisters and chafing and all those things that go along with, uh, you know, out on the trail, isolated, it was re- somewhat removed from this. Right. Yeah, because I feel like my knees would be killing me at this point. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't have any issues like that. You know, you can stop and stretch and all of that kind of thing, go outside, warm up. Take a shower. Wow, a shower in the middle of a hundred miler. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a life changer. Yeah, yeah. I showered uh, around three in the morning, three or four in the morning the first night, just to you know, like I said, normally during a race during the sunrise, you know, brings new light into you. You feel fresh. Well, I felt like a shower in the middle of the race did the same thing for me. Yeah, that's cool. So. Alicia, I know you went 105 and a half and Martha went 100. I guess, how did you guys feel coming into those final miles? And, you know, Michael, what were you up to at this time? Because you you were crewing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, number one, first goal is just to try to stay up because it's, you know, you're sitting along. Uh, me and Scott took a few breaks each so we could get some rest because we, we always wanted someone to be there fresh. Um, so you're, you're just watching the clock making sure she's getting the proper nutrition, hydration, and, uh, any special needs she wants, any special food. Um, just, so just trying to stay awake and alert. So, you know, we can be there for, for, for the runner. And I hit a hundred miles. I want to say around one or two in the morning, you know, so I'm like really excited. And then the furthest I had ever gone prior to this was at long haul, you know, which I think is right around 101 miles. So I'm like, I at least need to get 102. So then I got 102. Um, and I was starting to kind of like pack up my stuff and all that. And one of my friends was there, um, like I mentioned, and he said to me, he's like, I know you told me you wanted 105. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And he's like, and you're feeling good. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, go get your 105. <laughs> so that's what I did. And um, yeah, my last three miles were some of my fastest on the track. Like I was just like, well, let me just hammer it out and get these miles over with. And I did. Yeah, you sure you sure the hell did. <laughs> <laughs> really proud to watch Alicia because um, I knew how important this race was going to be for her. So when she did the 105, you know, that's an important number because people who want to place, you know, when you see 102, if you're running around 100, you can say, well, I'll just do a couple more laps and slip in there on third place. Well, 105 makes you think, you know, if you're creeping up on somebody, um, well, 105, I'm just going to sit at, a, at you know, 101 or 102. Um, yeah. So, so it was Alicia's day. That was her race, 100%. Um, for me, when I was coming around my last loops, I got real paranoid. And I kept telling Michael, look at my loops. How many are left? And I was like, we did this again, Martha. We're gonna t- I'm going to tell you, I have two left. Okay, now, now, really, Mike? Now I have one left. Like, yes, yes. And at the minute I was done, I'm like, can I turn this ankle bracelet in now and my timing, you know, chip and take it all off? He said, absolutely. So I did and laid down. Yeah. yeah. I, I, once I hit my 105, I actually left the course because, um, and left the dome for a couple hours. And then I came back around nine to pack up the car and load up Martha and all that. Uh, but it was nice to sleep in a real bed for a couple of hours. You know, as a as a crew person, it's really you you get a different rewarding feel, but it's almost the same as 
finishing a race yourself like even even just watching alicia at the end like that excitement of seeing because you could tell the determination <laughs> and the pride when she was flying it just you get happy you know you it, it's a it's a really cool special feeling to be there to witness people to help other people to be a small part of their little their their, their journey so i i really enjoy crewing and being involved and watching people and helping people yeah, I feel like you just get emotionally invested in, Absolutely. in the whole, yeah, the world around you. You know, it, it's definitely such an emotional reward. It, it, it really is. And it's, it's just fun to see people. And, you know, we were there for, you know, 48 hours and there was the, you know, 12 hour and 24 hour races that we saw. So you'd see new people come in, fresh people and, and you see their joy, the excitement. And it's, it's, it's really fun. It's it's a definitely a race that should be on everybody's list, at least something of this kind of nature. Um, I felt really victorious afterwards. I, I slayed some demons definitely in the dome. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of the nuances was that they're running multiple like 12 hour, 24 hour races, et cetera. They said you can start whatever day you want. And so when I came back, you know, to pick up Martha. And when the race was over, I asked um, Bill, I asked him, I was like, are there other 48 hour races? Because if there's not, like, I think I placed, he was like, well, you know, we made it an option. So I, I don't know, Alicia, I don't know if you placed. And so, <laughs> so I had, you know, trepidation um, wondering like, oh gosh, did I do enough? You know, cause I could have done more. Um, and then a few minutes later, they did a small award ceremony and I was so moved because the last race I did, it was a 50K. I missed cut off by an hour and I got DFL. Um, so to go from DFL to placing in a race that's special to me, like, was just, you know, incredible. That's great. So I just looked at the results again because when I finished, I was third female and fifth overall, but they must have hosted another 48-hour session because I, yeah, now I'm in sixth place. I... So there you go. Alicia, you're third place in my book, baby. Third place oh, in my heart. <laughs> there you go. All that matters. <laughs> well, I have the trophy. I'm not giving it back. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess with all of that, you know, we'll wrap it up with, you know, wh what are those final thoughts, that final reflection to the six days in the dome for the 48? and 12 plus crewing well my, mine is you know i'm just i'm I, I feel like i'm blessed to be able to to physically do these type of things um be part of these type of things meet all these great people um i've gained a lot of a lot of friendship from from the ultra community um i think it's just a really great group of people um so i'm just honored to be a part of 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 something that's that's i think pretty special uh, yeah, I, I echo those sentiments completely. You know, when I was out there in the dome, I was just so full of gratitude for being able to participate, thankful for my body being able to run those kind of miles, all the support we had and um, and the, the friendships that I built during the race and the ones that I had going into it. So it was just really special. Um, for, for me, I was very, very grateful to, um, you know, the ultra community, no matter where you are, you're bound to meet a new friend, make new connections. Um, and, and I would suggest, you know, people go outside their comfort zone um, and, and try something like this. I know for me, 
um, the race, I'd, I'd ever say, you know, I'm never going to do something again, but um, it made me really appreciate being outside. Um, and I I'm literally can't wait to do my next 100 trail race. And, and when I'm out on that race, I'm going to say, boy, you can do this because you did the dome. You know, <laughs> if, if you can do the dome, you can do other things. Yeah. Well, I think that's why I think it was like, maybe, I don't know, Alicia, like a mile or two into the race or an hour or two, you came up to me. Cause that's the first time I met you. And yeah. you, you walked up to me and you're, you're, are you Michael? I'm like, who the hell is this? Like? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Oh, Andy wants, well, Aunt wanted to say hi. I was like, so, oh, so, you know, again, you're just meeting new people and telling stories and just blessed to be in the physical condition to be able to participate in these and help people. Yeah, that's awesome. And these are like all the things that, you know, kind of looking at the, the updates and people's posts. This is all that cool stuff that I've always been curious about. So this was awesome. I appreciate it. So if you want to come up next year, I'll host you. I was going to say, Joseph, if you're going to go up for 48 hours, I'll come up and crew you. <laughs> I have two hour breaks with a nap in the sun. There you go. Now you, now, now you don't have an excuse. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us on. That was a lot right, of fun. All right. Well, everybody have a good evening, okay? Have a good night. Nice talking yep. to you. All right. Bye. 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 Thanks. All right. And there we have it for the 40th episode of the Florida Trail Runners Podcast, Six Days in the Dome. Hope you enjoyed that one. It was super cool. And you know, hey, until next time, happy trails.